Welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II coming to you from the uh, campus of Cleveland Community College uh, right here in the C-19 TV studios. And there is a name for these studios, and we'll see if Uncle Buck over there beside Camera One remembers the name of the studios. Do you remember the name of the studios? The John O'Hara Studio. Sweet. Yeah. You're good, man. That's I'm great. in here every day, all day. <laughs> How can I not? <laughs> As Greg Tillman, uh, otherwise known as Uncle Buck. Uh, 1989, you had a great, uh, great film. That'd be a good, great way to kind of dive into the history lesson. <laughs> we are going to talk about the history Aren't you of smooth <laughs> history of 1989. Douglas Davidson uh, back. We invited him to join us, and uh, he remembers this year quite well. He was just a young wee lad, I think he said when, when he was preschool, something like preschool. that. Oh, I was, old. I was at a preschool by then. <laughs> <laughs> that was at least first grade. <laughs> Douglas Davidson, you can check out his website, elementsofmadness.com. Also, a uh, voting member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association and SEFCA, the Southeastern Film Critics Association. Glad yes, to have you back, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is an unreal year in cinema for me. So, 19, thank you. This 1989. 1989. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, I'm, I'm excited to discuss it. Well, yeah, when I asked you to join me and I, I said, I said uh, hey, let's look at the films of 1989, you were just like, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. Let's do I'm it. There. Let's yeah. do it. Well, uh, for me, it was a memorable year because uh, I had just moved to this area in, in 1988, so the fall of 1988. So, as we transitioned into 89 and that summer, uh, of 89. Uh, I remember it quite well. Uh, a lot of uh, people I got to meet as friends in college, uh, still friends today, uh, including uh, one that I'm married to, um, Beth, Beth Lamb Manning. Well, good your friends, yeah, uh, your yeah, wife. Yeah, I've got five friends. And so, uh, you know, they're still, you know, uh, one of them, okay, one of them, one of them, okay, one of them came out of college. But it was a, it was a great year for me and um, a great year for film, as you mentioned. And I just, I, I love going back and reminiscing and thinking about, about some of these. And we'll, we'll start off with Greg. I'm going to let you, uh, oh, well, before we do that, I just got a, a notification in my ear. Tim, uh, Tim, are you running things today? Yeah, there he is. Sorry. Thanks for reminding me. You've got your, uh, you've got your uh, liquid of resonant. Five. You've seen five films in your life. Why not, why not just do that instead of that? I mean, it's the same thing. What, what, what is that thing, man? He was Elvis a broadcasting major, not a math major. And by the way, I'm more worried about what's in your ear because we, we don't have those here. Yes, we do. You just can't see them, man. I'm thinking of Wrath of Khan and, you know. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't from 1989, but, no. but yeah, I think that was Star Trek The Final Frontier. No, 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 that was 85. I was going to mention that. Oh, were you? No, it's not a good movie, but I was going to mention it because I figured that wouldn't be on your list. Well, go ahead and mention it. Star, Star Trek V, the, the Final Frontier that yeah. almost ruined the franchise. Yes, exactly. Chandler's directorial debut and finale, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great movie, but it's no. not I don't think it's quite as bad as people remember being. There okay. are some nice set pieces in it and they basically capture the chemistry. You yeah. know, the line, what does God need a starship for? You know, that that's a good line. <laughs> so it's not a good movie. Yeah, I thought so, I'd mention it. Well, so that's just good. to be the oddball here. That's good. You know, mentioning yeah, one right. that's not really a good movie, uh, but but still came out in 1989. Yeah. All right, Douglas, uh, give me one off your list uh, worthy of remembering. Oh uh, well, and we talked about it the last time I was here, just because of the 80th anniversary and what have you. But I can't talk about 1989 without talking about Batman. Yeah. I absolutely cannot. Uh, I know I'm going to get flack for it. I know I'm going to get flack for it because I was so young. But uh, 19, <laughs> at the end of 89, I was turning nine. 
nine years old. But <laughs> Batman at the age of eight was the first film I ever saw by myself in the theater. Yeah. That film still holds up to this day. Yeah. The remaster that they did is honestly beautiful. The, there are colors in this film that I never remember wow. seeing. And if you go back to the Blu-ray, you'll go, wait, there was purple in that smoke. And yeah. Just some of the detail work that they did in the remaster is fantastic that doesn't matter how old I get, I can go back to that film and feel exactly like I did in the theater. Yeah, it I, is phenomenal. Greg shared a great article uh, just a, a little while ago about the impact that this movie had on the superhero genre and how it really did kind of change the complexion of what was to come. The challenges that were there, not just, we, we talked about Michael Keaton being cast, but also the challenges of, uh, you got Tim Burton being brought in to be a director for this, and there was a lot of worry about what that would bring yeah. to this franchise as well. Once Jack Nicholson signed on, a lot of those fears kind of subsided. Yeah, because they said, his okay. presence yeah. and his talent, yeah. yeah. Gravitas with Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will throw out a film that, uh, that has significance for me. Uh, speaking of weddings, uh, this was not a wedding song, a uh, wedding movie for me, but it was the first date. Uh, Field of Dreams. Um, I, it was the, the it was released the day that my wife graduated from Gardner Webb, and so I took her out somewhere to eat. I don't even remember where we <laughs> went. It may have been like Wendy's dollar menu, but I do remember we you went, went all out, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I do no remember. No you turned her head. <laughs> we went to Gastonia to see Field of Dreams, all right, all right, and all right, that movie I just always loved. And and a lot of times it's not it's not necessarily you know are the movies great or are they not. But it's that moment and those things you can remember about your life and those kind of flag in the, mo in the ground moments that right. like, okay, I remember when. And that's how it was with a lot of films in 1989 for me. Some of them may have not held up as well as others, but I think about who I was with um, and, and what was going on in my life. But Field of Dreams, I, I, you know, I still really love that movie. Uh, in many ways, there are elements of it that haven't held up but the story has, and uh, Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones, and uh, you know just so many elements of the, the fantasy life told through this guy that's being called to build a baseball stadium in his cornfield in Iowa. What? You know, it's just kind of nuts when you look at it, but um, the messages within that uh, film are pretty solid, and I still love Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when Harry Met Sally, the Citizen Kane of romantic comedies. I yeah, think. yeah. I mean, it, there's pitch perfect from beginning to end. The script, the direction, the casting. Casting. Just a great story, and, it's, and I think it holds up well. Absolutely. Uh, and still very funny. Yeah, the chemistry between uh, Crystal and Ryan. Yeah. Just so solid. Yeah. Just so solid, and and it is a film that that still to this day is is uh, worth watching. And, and not only because of the the cast that's in it. I mean, you've got Carrie Fisher in the supporting role, and she's fantastic. But particularly the fact that with the way that they bookend it, mm -hmm. the fact that they're using it as a way to interview other couples, I think also helps with the longevity of it. Yeah. Because it's something that, not just as a romantic comedy of these two people coming together, but the fact that it's looking at different age groups and different stages of their own relationships. And that's something that we can all, at whatever point we are, sort of connect with. Yeah. So I, th I absolutely agree. I actually saw it in full beyond the I'll have what she's having moment. <laughs> uh, a little over 10 years ago, my wife is a fan. Surprisingly, she doesn't really like romantic comedies. 
but she'd seen it. She said, I mean, you need to watch this. And it absolutely holds up. Yeah. It absolutely holds up. And, and the directing really was yeah. solid on, on oh, that yeah, movie very much. as well. All right, what's on, what else is on your list, Douglas? Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Uh, apparently, I'm in a minority as a fan of this when we were talking <laughs> about it ahead of, ahead of time. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I absolutely adore this film for a number of reasons. Uh, it, it breaks a few hearts to hear that Ghostbusters 1 scared me a lot as a kid. <laughs> and when we talk about how a movie makes us feel, yeah. uh, the second one, and second. I own the soundtrack for the second one. I was listening to There's On Our Own by... There's a soundtrack for the second one? There's a soundtrack. Bob, Bobby Brown, On Our Own, absolutely. <laughs> that one was more marketing. That one was more marketing yeah, than the first one. Run yeah. DMC, I think, does the Ghostbusters remix. Okay. Uh -huh. Of this, so you really get a sense of that era as well on the soundtrack. But I don't feel so bad about mentioning Star Trek Five now. But okay, I'm sorry. I, I saw that in the theater, by the way. I did and enjoyed it. But with Ghostbusters Two, it's a completely different film than the first one was. Yeah. It was more horror than it was comedy, and it works incredibly well. But for some reason, for me, who tends to lean more towards comedy than horror in a lot of everything, anyway. I just loved the jokes. I loved the timing of it and bringing these people back together who for the most part you could almost tell didn't really care how well it went. They were just having fun. Yeah. And it's just, I think as well as Ghostbusters 1 holds up, I think Ghostbusters 2 does and it gets a bad rap. Okay. I absolutely do. Well, I will, I will check it out again. I, it's been a long I, time. I haven't seen it in 30 years. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. on a slow day. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. Might, might pick you up on a slow day. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a film that's got connections to this area. It was uh, it was shot in Gaffney, South Carolina. Uh, the movie is called The Abyss. Uh, it was a special effects, really a special effects um, phenomenon. And the uh, theatrical version that that hit theaters late in the summer of 1989 uh, was not the version that James Cameron, who directed uh, this, wanted to see on screen. Uh, but he had some issues with Fox, and um, they wanted to release it in August. He wanted to take some more time with it. Finally, it was like, okay, I'm done. Go ahead, do whatever you're going to do. And then years later, when the, um, the version of the director's cut came out, you really got a chance to see the story that Cameron was trying to tell. And really, I, you know, I've, I've gone back and I've watched both versions, and I think if, if anybody's never seen The Abyss, uh, go back and watch it, but watch that director's cut because it's a long film and it was long in theaters anyway, mm -hmm. even before that director's uh, extra 20 minutes of footage. But that extra 20 minutes of footage really helps to further the story and enhance the story. But the effects with uh, the morphing technology, the digital technology, that was really in its infancy then. Uh, only a few other films had done something like that before. Um, and but not to that extent, and that paved the way for what happened just a few years later with the Terminator 2. So uh, if you haven't seen The Abyss, I highly recommend it. Ed Harris in that, uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio in this, Cameron directed it was shot uh, at a studio uh, owned by Earl Owensby. And, uh, he, in Gaffney, right? In Gaffney, South yeah. Carolina. And um, after that, he had a few issues, Earl had a few issues with Fox because they weren't wanting to pay the bills. So uh, The Abyss on my list of yeah. films from 89. I'm going to bring this up, and, and I haven't seen it. Well, I haven't seen it since, since 89, and I don't still know what to think of it. What do you think of Back to the Future 2? I have kind of a love-hate 
relationship with it. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I actually liked that one more, I think, than the first one. And I haven't visit, revisited. <gasps> I know, I know. But for me, I, I loved the depiction of the future. He's not coming And back. the hoverboard. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that I did. Back to the future one. I would get butchered walking out of here. You may, yeah. If, I, I, I wouldn't last in any guild ever, I think, if I said that. But with Back to the Future 2, there was just, there was an element of whimsy that was added to it, and they were able to, I think, shift away from some elements that make the first one a little problematic. The fact that we're going to make a white guy responsible for Johnny B. Good, some of the elements with, uh, with the mom and the dad, and the fact the mom wants to sleep with her son. It works for comedic effect, but when you start to actually think about what's happening, it's a little creepy. But with Back to the Future 2, they were able to... He just has a dirty mind, I think. <laughs> if you watch the movie, it's a little weird. It's what creates some of the uncomfortable moments in the film. And I totally get why they work in that first film, but with Back to the Future 2, they were able to move in a different direction. Yep, so, my, my, it just feels different. I yeah, thought it was me, a good exercise in editing. Making new scenes to fit the old scenes and how they yeah. worked around the first film. Uh, I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't know, it never pulled me in. I think technically it was it yeah. was fascinating. Yeah. But to me, I watched it and I sat there at the end going, okay, this is the longest coming attractions <laughs> for what's to happen next yeah. that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And I really did leave that theater going, eh, could have done without it. You know, to me, it didn't really do a whole lot to the story. It was honestly just a long setup for the Wild West in number yep. three. Yep. And that was my problem with it. I, I still love the trilogy, but that one's definitely my least favorite. Mm. Well, and that's, that, unfortunately, part two has the problem that most middle films do, which is that it's not so much about being its own story, it's about getting everything set up for yeah. that, what comes next. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when that happens. So I do not disagree at all, because yeah. so much of what happens in part two is just to get to the end where it's the mailman coming up and, hey, we've had this in our <laughs> box yeah. for however many years. Now, that was great. Except for Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. True. And you know, Tim, uh, his favorite of the uh, Back to the Future films was actually the uh, Back to the Future animated series. Um, oh, no, no, wasn't that number five? No. Oh, Back to the Future been... five. I thought it was the animated series that you said you liked. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. Well, uh, Tim just uh, also, I don't know if he uh, gave me a finger or what, but he did say, he said we, we're, we need to go to a break. We need to go to a break and wrap it up. So we're going to go to intermission. We'll come back and talk about more films of 1989 uh, right after this. And uh, we left off with Greg, so we'll pick back up with Douglas, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll pick it back That's up with name, Douglas. That's his name, yeah. Douglas, <laughs> Double D, right after this break on C19. once said, you don't need a silver fork to eat good food. Well, on Cleveland County Kitchen, we don't have a silver fork, but we sure do serve up lots of good food. Hi, I'm Deborah Blanton. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Each month, we offer a complete farm-to-table experience. We visit local growers, we learn about nutrition, and wrap things up with wonderful meals prepared by our guest chefs. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. 
arsenic, cadmium, fluorine, formaldehyde, rubidium, lithium. Do yourself a favor and don't image search for exploding e-cigarettes. What you don't know about e-cigarettes can hurt you. Are you ready to take all this in? Hi, I'm Jackie Sibley Newton, the host of Experience Cleveland County on C19 TV, on Spectrum Cable, and also online at C19.tv. This is a show all about community partners, organizations, and businesses coming together to make this a better community to live, work, and play. So watch us every other week on C19 TV. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Man of the Second here hanging out with uh, Greg Tillman over there beside camera one. Uh, also back on uh, Mission Control uh, and hanging, hanging out, making sure things are working right. That's Tim uh, Foster on the Tim Cam, hanging out with Elvis Nomsley, uh, looking over his shoulder, uh, making sure that he's pushing the right buttons. Douglas Davidson uh, back uh, as a guest. We're glad to have you back talking about the films of 1989. And so uh, we left off with Greg talking about Back to the Future 2 when we all chimed in on that. And Douglas Davidson has one from the vault that Greg and I evidently never saw. Uh, and I got to hear about this this movie. You know, it, it's a film that you were talking about Field of Dreams and yep. capturing this moment going out with your wife and you saw this film. This is a movie, it's The Wizard. It's a movie that... <laughs> it's not The Wizard of Oz. No, it is not The Wizard of it's Oz. Not the it wishes. <laughs> it, it wishes it was any of those things. And going back and revisiting it as an adult, it doesn't really hold up, but there's this emotional connection to it. The Wizard is a film, it's got Fred Savage, Bo Bridges, Christian Slater, who had been on a string of films coming out that year. But The Wizard is basically a story about this little, about these two brothers, three brothers actually, who are dealing with the fallout of a divorce. Okay. And one of them doesn't speak, he doesn't talk, and he keeps wanting, he keeps pointing at this thing and this photo and he won't discuss it. And Fred Savage takes his younger brother and they end up running away and they end up at a video game competition. Because apparently, this kid who doesn't talk, you know, he, he can hear the bells, he can see the balls go, but he's a wizard when it comes to playing video games. Oh, it's the pinball wizard. Pinball wizard, yeah. 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 I know what you're yeah. talking about. Okay. So he, he, he can play anything and just kills it. So they end up going to a video game competition, and the big moment, big moment, is when he's one of these final three competitors and they get put in front of a game that no one's ever seen before, no one's ever played, and it's Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> and sitting in the theater with my best friend Greg Krebs, two of us, these little kids watching this movie, our brains exploded because no one had seen anything about this game before. Now, if you go back and watch the movie, it is pure advertising. You, you, you had a problem with the print, thing, the print soundtrack yeah, yeah, and that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you won't be able to last five minutes in this at all. I don't think I would anyway. Was, no, it, was it based on the pinball wizard? No, no, not at all. But you could sort of see I'm, where some of those elements... Yeah. I thought I knew where we were going. Because the, the kid does talk. Yeah. The kid does oh, talk. Okay, okay. And he can see and okay. he can whatever. Right. But it was just about 
trying to get this family to communicate with each other while also selling Nintendo products. Gotcha. <laughs> so, but you talk about that emotional moment. Yeah. There's not, as this little kid who played video games, me and my buddy, we were watching, just, what? <laughs> it was great. It was great. And well, you still you, like the movie, obviously. It holds a special I mean, place. It, yeah. It's not that yeah. great yeah. in yeah. it. And Tobey yeah. Maguire has a very tiny <laughs> role in wow. it. Wow. Yeah, he Is shows like up. He's just some little kid <laughs> in the background at one scene. But you could see him prominently. Yeah. But it... Yeah. I, I love it, but yeah. not as a, Film you've got to see it. Yeah. It's a guilty pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Guilty well, pleasure. it's a pleasure. Yeah. I don't think any movie you love, it you should feel guilty yeah. about. I yeah. feel guilty yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, you know, I have, uh, I'm probably one of the handful of guys that enjoys romantic comedies. Mm, yeah. you, you like them too. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So three. My others. wife goes right. out of town. I put one on. Yeah, and <laughs> and Tim, um, I, I think he owns like every romantic comedy out there, right? <laughs> you should see him it. crying at Young and the Restless <laughs> even around here. There he is, crying a little bit yeah. now. Well, for me, you know, in the '80s, especially, there were a lot of these teen romantic comedies right. that that really spoke to teenage angst. I call them coming of age romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. Cameron Crowe, John Cusack, uh, Cusack was just, he was stellar in so many of those. Oh, yeah. But the Cameron Crowe, uh, John Cusack, Say Anything uh, film was just absolutely amazing. And it's a movie that holds up. And it's a movie that culturally, decades later, is still iconic. And there's scenes uh, when people may not know what the scenes mean when they show up in these movies today with somebody holding a a jam box outside of a window <laughs> yeah. or or you know doing the doing that kind of thing it all goes back to this film say anything and still love it today uh, still one of my favorites uh, I've owned it in every format that's ever been out there and uh, still a solid solid film you know John Cusack may be happy with his career but he should have had a bigger one he should I agree, have yeah. bigger, should be a bigger star I agree first time I saw him and I'm going back to 85 another Rob Reiner film uh, the Sure Thing, which a lot of people haven't seen. It, it was kind of between Spinal Tap and Princess Bride, yep. I think. Have you seen The Sure Thing? Well, it's kind of a teen version of It Happened One Night. Yep. But I love that movie, and he was so good in it. Yeah. And he's so good in this one, too. Yeah. 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 We could spend a whole show talking about yeah. Cusack films because yeah. yeah. one of my favorites, well, it's not about 89, so we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> so, so, anyway, say anything, highly recommend that. Uh, I'll stick with another romantic comedy that you weren't familiar with. Uh, chances are, it was not a big hit in the theater. Uh, a, a relatively young Robert Downey Jr., a gorgeous Sybil Shepherd, and, and Ryan O'Neill, still yeah. kind of at slightly past his peak, but everyone was very good in it. It's kind of a reincarnation fantasy rom-com, yeah. and there's a lot of twists and turns in it, but everyone's just on their A game in it. It's, yeah. it's funny and it's it's touching from time. There's some real emotion in there too, I think. Absolutely, yeah, it, it's on my list. And I love that film. he's so funny in it, he's yeah. so good in it. Well, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is, he's a great actor mm -hmm. and you know, anybody who watched him in Endgame, yeah. watch him in Chaplin, you go back and watch him in this, mm -hmm. you really get a, a sense for what he's able to do. Mm -hmm. All the different things that he's able to do, it's amazing to me. And uh, the career he's had has not been without its problems. But man, uh, just, just, what, just <laughs> yeah. what a talent. What an incredible talent. Yeah, and in particular, what I love about Robert Downey Jr., just to build off of what you said, is that when you see him in a movie, he's, he's in it. He is as engaged in what he's doing in that moment as any other film. 
And if you go to Endgame and then you watch Iron Man, you're seeing the same level of performance yep. and commitment. And I am so grateful that he was given that chance in Iron Man because he is an actor who deserved a resurgence. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. What else is on your list? Well, speaking of resurgences, if you will, and to call it that I think is a misnomer because Keanu Reeves has been working for years. <laughs> People are really starting to appreciate him. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yep. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure cannot talk about 1989 without talking about this oh, film. Oh yeah, it's most excellent. It, it is <laughs> most excellent. Uh, I am, I am in, I'm gonna be number one at the box office when tickets go yeah. on sale for Face the Music. There are definitely aspects about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, particularly in dialogue, that do not hold up. Yeah. Uh, just okay. where we are culturally uh, compared to 1989, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. But that ending sequence, when Bill and Ted are giving their history presentation and you've got all of these people and the <laughs> yeah. energy of it, yeah. you are just rooting for San Dimas. Yeah, you are absolutely. just rooting for him yeah. the whole way. So you can't talk about 1989 without mentioning Bill and Ted's and I, I think also it's, it's a cultural snapshot. If, if anybody wants to look at what it was like in the late 80s, oh, yeah. that yep. movie captures it. And so I think some films from a historical standpoint are worth watching for that if nothing else. So yeah, I'm with you on, on that movie. Um, you had mentioned uh, uh, kind of a, a sleeper with, with chances are. I'm gonna do another one of those romantic comedies. We're not gonna get to hardly any of these films that we wanted to today, <laughs> but I think some that fly under the radar are well worth checking out. Steven Spielberg did a film um, called Always. Right. John Goodman, Holly Hunter was in this. Uh, Richard Aubrey, Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh, Hepburn, one of her last roles. It was her last film. Um, and it was, a, it was a fantasy love story relating to uh, you know, these firefighters that use um, you know, airplanes to help put out wildfires. And it was just marvelous to me. I, it was magical. It's probably the best way to describe this film. And it's still one of my favorite romantic comedies that, mm -hmm. that not many people have heard about. It was a remake, I think. It was. A 40s film. Yep, it sure was. It didn't do big box like Spielberg normally does, but I loved it. Yeah, and it was a different kind of Spielberg film, too, and maybe that was part of it. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll do, we'll each just mention one more before we dive in. Uh, make sure we, mention uh, we haven't mentioned Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, have we? We kind of no, have no, to, don't we? No, but building off of Spielberg, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, perfect finale to that trilogy, I think. Uh, perfectly cast, perfect tone. Unlike Temple of Doom, that was pretty gloomy, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, but it was nice to return to something that, that had a little light and a lighter touch to it, maybe. Than, yeah, uh, the last than crusade, than magnificent, did. and yeah. Sean Connery was just perfectly Spot on. cast. Yeah. Name of the dog. In and the so end. was, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So was River Phoenix and yeah. his short Oh, yeah, yeah, I love segments. River Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who died well before his time. Yes. Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Have to mention Dead Poets Society. Yeah. It's a film much like Lean on Me that also came out in '89 that inspired me to want to get into education. And uh, and this one, uh, this came to us from uh, from Tim Foster. Uh, I would be in trouble if I didn't mention this. And my wife uh, both uh, said that if you don't mention National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which had the <laughs> oh, chase, yeah, you're right. yeah. from 1989, that you're in trouble. And so, uh, yeah. All these decades later, I don't go to Christmas without watching that movie. So, I, I think we've got enough for another show. Uh, so, I, I think uh, we'll come back at some point and do another uh, 1989 films uh, part two. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Greg Tillman over there beside camera one. Uh, we've got Douglas Davidson uh, here uh, hanging out with us, uh, talking about Ghostbusters 2, his favorite <laughs> film from uh, 1989. Uh, that and The Wizard double feature. 
well worth uh, everybody uh, sitting uh, sitting in. Uh, He's trying to get me kicked out of everything, aren't you? <laughs> Can we, we do, do that on public domain theater? Are they bad <laughs> enough to be on that? It's a good idea. If you have questions or comments or want to uh, ask us why we didn't mention your favorite film from 1989, info at c19.tv is where you can uh, do that. And also c19.tv online is where you can uh, check out these shows if you're looking uh, for online versions and you can download the podcast, wgwg.org. Any final comments, questions, or thoughts before we uh, wrap things up? No, I think I've dug my own hole. <laughs> All right, uh, we will leave you with a movie quote as we always do. This comes from Chances Are. This is us particularly for, uh, for Greg. You know, weirdness, it's not a criminal uh, offense, but if it were, you'd be serving a life sentence. You know, when you dive in and start looking at these quotes, you're like, man, I wish I'd remembered that. I, I could build a whole book on those things. Thanks for joining us. Uh, until next time, uh, for Noel Team Manning II, everybody else here, that's a wrap.